I know I need a good structure, which is not just run, 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 run. It's run, stretch, meditate, run, stretch, meditate. And, and I think it's exactly the same with work. Knowing what's working best for me at various different times of the day is crucial. So it's a simple lesson, but structure to, to both running and business is crucial for me. Hello and welcome to Run the Business, the podcast that explores the place where running and leadership come together. We'll find out how running might help us with leading, managing people and generally being better in business. We'll also try and answer that question, do runners make better leaders? I'm Anthony Gay and today I'm joined by a CEO with a passion for sustainability and the environment. After looking for gear to wear for many marathons, ultramarathons and triathlons, and finding nothing that really hit the mark, Rob Webben decided to make his own. Rob's background in environmental science means he now combines his passion for the environment with his hobby of endurance sport at Presca Sportswear. Rob Webben, welcome to Run the Business. Thanks, Ant. What a pleasure to be here. How are you today, Rob? I'm really good. Really good. The sun is shining and uh, <laughs> much more than it was yesterday. <laughs> and tell us about where you are in the world. I'm in Bristol, uh, in the southwest. Um, so yeah, we have a, a wonderful office, uh, very central, in a brilliant location for town, but also running trails not too far from our doorstep too. And tell me, when did you last go running? I last ran, uh, oh, do you know what? I was meant to run this morning at, at half six, but I didn't get my uh, alarm clock. So I actually ran on Sunday morning. I did a, a tempo session uh, and it was quite brutal, but uh, one of those ones where you come back afterwards and feel thoroughly alive it was a bit wet on the weekend wasn't it uh, no it wasn't too bad in bristol we okay. had we actually had a frost saturday morning we had a frost sunday was um, not too bad and then it got wet yeah after that brilliant well to kick things off tell us a little bit about your business and what you do and how you came to run it so we are a sportswear manufacturer we are climate positive which i'll talk about i'm sure in a bit more detail um, but we are focusing on making the most sustainable most ethical kit on the market it, it comes really it stems from my background in environmental science i i studied that i did two degrees in that field and then i worked in kind of consultancy local government for well pretty much 15 years um always looking at you know renewable energy um marine renewables carbon accounting home energy efficiency the whole kind of wide range of what we call sustainability these days mm -hmm. and then at the same time probably 2008, 2009, I really started getting into my running and then in triathlon and biking. Uh, and I was looking around at the time, just looking around at the clothing, just thinking, do you know what, it's a car crash. And I knew a fair bit about, you know, what goes into making synthetics. Um, I knew very little about where the clothes were made because at the time, transparency just wasn't a thing. And so I just felt like, you know, there, there has to be a better way. And, and so that was really the genesis of the business and it was that typical entrepreneur thing like I can do better even in, uh, though I had no experience of the clothing industry and, and, and jumped in two feet really. And what kind of impact does running and, and mass participation events have on the environment? I know this is a very complex subject but can you give us a sort of sense of uh, of what that impact is and, and do we underestimate it? Yeah, do you know what? That's a brilliant question. Well, see, we're, we're in the kit world and you go to every, every event and you get handed a free t-shirt 
which I, I have a real problem with that if I'm totally honest. And I, there's so much value in, you know, mm. when you're, when you're going out and doing your first marathon or your first running event or your first few, there's real value in those, those kind of t-shirts you get and they're, they're real mementos. But by the time we've done quite a few of them, just being handed another one, um, which to be honest, has cost a couple of quid from the other side of the world. That feels very wasteful to me. So, so from one point of view, we have this, this model where every event is just expected to give out stuff because that's what all events do and that's got its own impact there but actually the biggest impact of uh, of event is is how people get to um get to the start line really and get home again afterwards so you know 90 percent of the emissions comes from mm -hmm. the, that transport of people and and spectators to come and watch the event it really varies depending on the size of the event where people are coming from if you get an international event like you know london marathon then people come in literally from all over the world so the footprint is huge if it's a local event you know 200 runners in in, in your local fail run or something like that then it's much much smaller so mm. really i think the, the key thing is really just you know how can events reduce that impact and it's really through more sustainable modes of transport to get to the to the line and then just not giving away so much stuff that people to be frank don't really need Make, makes total sense your specific area of kit tell me about your, this this realization let's go into that a little bit more about when you started to sort of realize that actually this stuff isn't uh isn't sustainable it's it's it could be better what how did that come about it came about through an event that Guy, my, my business partner and I, Guy, did uh, in 2013. Um, it was a Challenge Copenhagen, I think. It was it was an iron distance triathlon um, in Denmark. And at the time, well, and still, you know, so, so you kind of, you rack your bikes up the night before, and then they just bring out these thousands, literally, because there were thousands of competitors, thousands of um, disposable plastic covers for your bikes and they'd every bike would have its little cover and then on the morning of the race they'd pick them all up and just chuck them straight away and so we were looking at this industry going wow this is really really wasteful and then well let's let's talk about the rest of the industry because it's not just you know the bike covers it's it's, it's the clothing we're wearing yeah. and everything associated with it so really started looking at that and, and clearly you know all the all the performance materials that we use for the sports we love are um from synthetic fibers so polyester and nylon predominantly also elastane which is you know what gives that lovely stretch in your clothing um and and fundamentally they come from crude oil every synthetic comes from crude oil um so we were looking at okay well is there a better way and i knew patagonia had been making fleeces from recycled pl plastic bottles for years um i knew there were you know some some innovations emerging in that textile space so it was really about well what is what is using recycled fibers due to the environmental impact. And if you use uh, a fabric that's made from a recycled plastic bottle, for example, you reduce the energy consumption by about 50%. You reduce the water consumption to make that product by about 90%. Um, so you, you have this quite significant reduction in the impact of, of making your clothing if you can use a recycled fiber um, instead of using a virgin fiber. And so that was our starting point really. And we can use nylons that come from fishing nets and carpets instead of a nylon derived from, from crude oil i mean ultimately they all come from the same place and and that's you know that's the challenge that the industry has to tackle next moving to recycled fibers is a really strong starting point and and has many benefits to it but but we're still part of this system that relies on crude oil so what does that mean going forwards and, and uh, that's something that's really and, and interesting if people listening to this are having a moment where they're thinking oh i need to i need to pay more attention to this i want to get more aware 
where do where do they start? Obviously, you know, Prescott Sportswear. You know, you're doing your bit. Who else? Uh, you know, which individuals, which which publications? What 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 should people be sort of soaking up and being aware of to try and get better in this space? Oh, that you know, that's that's a really good question. I mean, I think you know, whenever we talk about sustainability in clothing, everyone kind of just um, worships Patagonia, yeah, <laughs> and and really for the right reasons. They they're, they're very very good. They they openly admit that they don't have all the answers, but what they're very good at is is telling the stories and and and, and communicating what the problems are with with all their clothing. To be perfectly frank, so you know, great. A great starting point would be to to look at their um, sustainability stories on their websites. Mm-hmm. I think the key for me is really to understand a brand's impact and and intentions towards you know tackling that. It's really digging into that brand, scratching a lot below the surface. Because to be frank, if I look at any one of our competitors now, or anyone selling clothing, really, everyone's talking about sustainability and here's our sustainability initiatives and isn't it brilliant and we're planting a tree and those kind of things. But mm-hmm. I think you you quickly find when you start digging a lot, but but you know below the surface, you'll quickly notice that there's some companies which use the right words, but there's very little substance below that. And then there there are others who are using quite frankly the same words, but then when you actually look at the material below, that you can see you know the impact reports. You can see they've measured um, all their carbon emissions, all their carbon emissions, in, including supply chain, which is critical. You know, you, you can see a lot of, you know, thinking about how fibers are chosen. So yeah, it, for me, it's really that, it's the level of information that any company is willing to provide, which is is a pretty good flag for, for how um, genuine they are in their in their efforts. Other than that, there are industry publications, eco, eco textile news and those kind of things, which specifically focus on sustainability and fibers but that's getting pretty granular to be honest mm. so, so digging into the story a bit more and, and the background rather than just taking everything at face value is if if people are serious about wanting to understand where their where their stuff comes from that that's a good start yeah yeah it really is and but don't get me wrong i do i do it as well you know you see something that says oh this is an eco product oh phew yeah. <laughs> that's good for the conscience yeah. and that's where a lot of people stop but yeah you you do need to really dig below that okay but let, let's talk about you as a runner and get into your running journey a little bit more when did you first consider yourself a runner because i know you were doing you mentioned triathlons and other uh, you know other events when did running become a thing for you Running was was the first thing for me, really. So I was the least sporty kid at school. I always wanted to be sporty, like my my kind of you know my heroes in my family or people I looked up to were all really into their sports. But for me, I was a very late developer, and I kind of I had a limp till I was like twelve, and I had a hernia, and I was always the shortest kid and the slowest. And so I wanted to be good at sport, but I, but I was never that that kid at school. And so really, I suppose my sporting life started probably when I was 18, 19, and I started getting to snowboarding and I really, really got into snowboarding and kind of lived in the mountains for a while. And, and I absolutely loved it. And I realized, well, if I want to get better at snowboarding, I've got to be better at, uh, better at other things as well. Or, you know, I've got to just generally get fitter. So I started surfing and I got reasonably good at that. And then I suppose uh, kind of mid to late twenties, I was living down in Plymouth I was surfing a fair bit. And again, it's one of those sports which you have to be incredibly fit for. And and so I was looking for a, kind of a, you know, something to, to complement that. And a friend of mine was part of the local running club, Plymouth Road Runners, it was, that's right. And and he said, oh, come along. And to be honest, I, I, at the time I hated running. And I thought this is not for me, but I'll go along because it's a buddy. And, you know, so we rocked up 
And I remember, I remember turning up for the first time and, you know, they were saying, right, which group are you going to go in? The two miler, four, six or 10. I was looking at people doing a 10 mile run thinking, are you crazy? You're going to go out for a 10 mile run. That's ludicrous. <laughs> so I was there just, just, um, yeah, I went for the two and I felt like, do you know what? Even that was hard enough. It was quite a hilly area around Pl Plimstock. And I thought, bloody hell, this is, this is quite a challenge, but I did enjoy it. And so uh, off the back of that, you know how it is, you know, you do two and then you think, oh, I could, I could do four and then all 5k you run, you know, race beckons and then 10k and it's one of those things that gets hold of you, doesn't it? So running was really where I went to first in terms of my serious sporting life. It was, it was running. And then off the back of that, I think some friends signed up to London triathlon and I thought, oh, I'll give that a go. And then that hooked me as well. So it all came from there. And did you notice even then the benefits that you were getting from from running? I mean, you mentioned you need to be fit to do surfing and uh, snowboarding, and, and so you know, and you you looked at running as as a means to be uh, be fitter, be healthier. Did you start to notice other benefits, kind of, when you got into running? Yeah, to start with, and it was just the fitness. You know, I, I would go along to these runs, and I, I really didn't enjoy running initially, other than the social aspect so i'd go along to the runs meet this lovely group of people we'd have a chat and then i'd get to the end of the field like oh wow I've, I've done four miles or six miles and i didn't even really notice it because we had some nice nice chat so it took me a little while to get to the point where i was comfortable running on my own and it, and 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 when i found that place that's when i found the the, the additional benefits i'd say and and i love to run on my own now don't get me wrong i love running with with, with people as well but there's something about being in your head your own head and that meditative, meditative quality of running which you just can't replace so yeah I think um the mental benefits came a little bit later for me to start with it was it was very much fitness focused and this podcast is all about how running might help you in business and, and leadership um, thinking about your day now and and your work how does running help you be be better at what you do well, I think it really comes down to that that headspace again, really. That's that's the key for me. I've got into quite a, a nice habit now of, you know, I'll wake up six-ish and I will do something, um, whether that is running, whether it's some yoga, even a bit of meditation. It, it's it's really all focused around how can I start the way in the best, the day in the best way. Um, and running is a big part of that. Uh, you know, of course, I want to stay as fit as I can. And actually, I'm, I'm really, I'm actually kind of really getting back into my running after a period of injury. And that's, you know, it's, it's so, so satisfying. But the mental benefit of just going out and processing things in a way that isn't just sitting at your desk and staring at a computer is so invaluable. I, I find for me, it's a really creative space as well as quite meditative. It's interesting to, and we kind of dig into it in a bit more detail now. You talked about running in the morning and, and then, you know, the rest of your day. Take us through your typical day and, and how you sort of balance different tasks and different challenges, because this kind of thing where running, as you said, the, the meditative and, and thought time that you have with running in, in the morning gives you that, that space to sort of you know, scope out the day and, and think what's coming up. How does the rest of the day look for you and, and how, does, you know, how does running impact on that day? If I'm brutally honest, I'm still kind of playing with that. I I I know that I'm most effective if I've got a big chunk of work to do. I'm most effective and most focused in the morning. So I try to not really pay too much attention to emails before say 11, half 11. And before that, just kind of focus on, well, well, focus time. That's kind of, I suppose, set up 
by a good run or a good meditation but like i say they're pretty much one and the same thing for me and then after that then then i think then it's more about okay what have i got on my to-do list that i need to tick through and i think what i notice is when i haven't run or when i haven't kind of done the run that i expected to then i am less focused i think there's something in there about clearing out maybe some some energy nervous energy or processing things like i said that lets me then sit down and say right i am set up and i'm ready to crack on now uh, and so i think that's that's the benefit for me it's all about the routine and, and like i say i'm still kind of working out what works best for me and what times i need to focus on various different tasks or types of tasks and, and how um target driven goal driven is is the work that you do and is the running that you do uh you know where are you aiming at the moment running wise i am well i like i said earlier i have been through quite a period of injury with plantar fasciitis, which has been on and off for, for some time now. I, I did that typical thing of um, setting a goal, which was which was too, well, it wasn't too hard a goal, but I trained too hard. I came out of the blocks too fast and trained too much um, and, and which just triggered plantar fasciitis. And, and really for kind of a couple of years, I've been battling that. But now that has settled down a lot and my focus now is, well, my focus is, is always kind of the longer stuff. I, I really enjoy ultra running. I'm not particularly fast. I'd like to get a sub three marathon time, but, but you know, that was going to take a fair bit of training. But for me, you know, I want to be able to go out again and do 60 plus milers. So that's my goal for running. I feel like I'm finally back in that place where I can, where I can go out and do that. Work-wise, yeah, I mean, it's 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 very targets-driven. You know, we we are we're a company that relies on sales, as all companies do. And right now, it's quite a challenging market. You know, we're seeing diminishing consumer confidence for all the all the reasons we know about with the war and energy crisis and the mini budget didn't massively help, I must say. And so we're we're kind of in a place where you know we're seeing a lot of companies that are running sales at a time when they wouldn't necessarily expect to. Even in the run up to Christmas, you know, you know, we're seeing kind of quite big sales where, yeah, previously we wouldn't have seen that. So mm. right now it's about, okay, well, what does that mean for us? What are the targets that we have to hit? What do we have to do purely from a cash flow perspective to stay in a good solid place so that come, say, springtime, we're in the best position to move forwards? It's a bit of a funny position. It's almost around how can we kind of steady the ship? And then show the growth in spring as opposed to right now, grow, 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 because, mm. we, you know, we have to be realistic. That's not the situation we're in. Thinking back to, the, you know, the journey that you've been on with Presca, this, this is a great sort of forum for, for sharing lessons. And I love kind of hearing uh, things that people have, uh, have picked up along the journey. Is there anything when you look back at kind of when you first set Presca up and, and where you are now, are there any lessons that you could kind of share with us? Any, any, anything that, you know, if you were to do it again, you, you maybe might do it a, li- a little differently. So our two biggest challenges have been supply chain. We we had this real kind of belief in UK manufacture. We really wanted everything to be as locally made as possible, nearshore manufacture. And I think that kind of blinkered us a little bit, if I'm totally honest. There are some amazing manufacturers in the UK. But to be perfectly frank, there's also some, there are also some that aren't brilliant. And we got rid of a lot of that skill set uh, in the kind of... 70s 80s we offshored that textile industry so we still work with one brilliant factory in the uk Mm. but we really did have some issues with some of the others we tried to work with and like i say i think because we had this ideal um, and stuck to it too long i think you know that whole idea of failing fast and and recognizing that 
well, we didn't. We failed. <laughs> we failed too slow. If I'm totally honest, it was for the right reasons, but I think we didn't necessarily look at ourselves and uh, quick enough. However, we did make that transition. We're now manufacturing in Europe with some incredible manufacturers. So you know, the the change came. But I think in hindsight, I would have done it a bit quicker. Second one, just around team, really. We've got a brilliant team, genuinely fantastic, but it's taken a while for us to build that team. Mm -hmm. And again, early days, I think we, we probably made the same mistake. We didn't didn't fail fast enough and, and recognize, okay, that maybe some of these team members aren't working out for us. Um, and it took us a little bit longer. I think that's really what I've learned. You know, the biggest takeaway for me is learn your lessons, obviously, but when you know something's not right, change it quickly because you know in your gut it's not right. But you know, early days in business, this is the first time I've run a company, you know, I didn't, didn't know what I'm doing. I, some, some might say I still don't, Ant, but I, you know, I feel like I've learned an awful lot. And, and really, it took me a while to, to understand how important that is. When your gut says this isn't right, just to say, okay, fine, we've got to change it. And those aren't always comfortable discussions or decisions to make. In fact, the, the right decisions are rarely comfortable to make. But if you know it's if you know it's the right decision, then you have to do it as quick as mm. you can, really. And that gut feeling is is the sum of all your experience, isn't it? It's all that knowledge and wisdom that you've got. And it's just, you know, people talk about this gut feeling, but it's all that stuff that you know that is just finding a way to come out, isn't it? And, and help you and, and guide you. Yeah, exactly. I, do you know, I'm, I'm really interested in kind of physiology. And the one thing I've been listening to quite a lot at the moment is about gut health. And I didn't realise we have this, we have this huge centre of nerves in our gut. We have kind of our head brain and we have our gut brain as well. And 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 whilst it's not a, you know, a conscious brain like we have up top, it's it's very intuitive. And like you say, it, when when something doesn't feel right down in our stomachs, that's because, like you say, we 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 have that experience. And the fact that we're sitting there in a position of stress and and discomfort is because everything that we're doing is going against what we know to be right. So yeah, you, you know, you have to tune into that and be very aware that sometimes those sensations down in your tummy, they're the ones you need to pay attention to. And it's the same thing, isn't it, with, with running as well, when, you know, when things aren't quite going right, or you start to get a little niggle or something, it's worth listening to that and, and just checking that it's, it's not something more serious than, uh, than just a, a niggle. Because uh, our body has all sorts of ways to send us messages and tell us. We, ju we just got to be aware, haven't we, and listen to these things. Yeah, you're so right. And that, that was my problem with the, um, with the plantar fasciitis. I, I was running with a coach who was, he was an amazing coach, but he, he was really pushing me. And I can remember I had like a, I had kind of a 18 miler where the last three miles, my calves suddenly really tightened up and I was thinking well this is this is unusual you know that feeling when you run a bit further than you than you're used to and your body says oh well hold on a minute and it starts to put the brakes on a bit yeah I've had that plenty and I kind of I know that feeling but but this was a real tightening of the calves and I thought oh that, that doesn't feel right and then I had strides the next day you know sprinting essentially which I did and my calves were really not in a good place at all by then and then the next day I had another it was just a gentle kind of eight miler or something like that and, I, and foolishly, I went for it. But halfway through that run, my, my legs just said, no, I can't do anymore. And I think, you know, I knew actually after the first run, the 18 miler, that I really shouldn't have um, done the rest of that week's training. But because I had a plan and because I had a coach who was, you know, pushing me on, I just, I cracked on. But had I stopped after that first run and thought, well, no, I'm going to give it a couple of weeks off or a week, then I think I, I probably wouldn't have gone through what I then want, went through. So, yeah, that intuition is key. That's a great nugget there. And we, you know, we've talked about gut feeling and also listening to your body and, and being aware of those messages. So a definite, a definite takeaway there. 
what what sort of leader you mentioned your you know your role as leader in the business as CEO in the business what sort of leader are you what's your style rob how would you describe yourself I'd say very collaborative. I'm, I'm certainly not a kind of alpha male, stick my chest out, you must do what I say type of person. I, I suppose I have, I have very um, defined ideas about, you know, how, how I want the company to move forward, certainly from a kind of sustainability point of view. But I'm also very, very happy to be told that I'm wrong and to be challenged constructively, of course. You know, I think uh, I, I mentioned the team earlier and, and really that's, that's critical for me. I know that there's an awful lot of things that I can't do or can't do well. And, and, and really, I rely on having brilliant people around me to do that. And so if someone, you know, if someone is, is saying to me, well, hold on a minute, maybe we shouldn't take this approach. And I'm very, very willing and keen to hear that and to learn from it. So, yeah, I would say collaborative. I care a lot about these guys, which makes it difficult sometimes to have some of those difficult conversations or, you know, when we're going through challenging times to, to, to make tough decisions. But I do, you know, they are yeah, like friends and family as well as colleagues as well. So, yeah, I would say Collaborative and caring sums me up. And I assume the people that you work with are also into fitness and health. And so there's a a shared set of values there across the the business, as well as sustainability and and the environmental work you do, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, to a person, we all run or bike at various levels. I mean, Guy, my my business partner, he does a lot of Ironmans and he's, he's excellent athlete and Lily she's running marathons as as am I and ultras and you know so we we, we have a, a bunch of us who are all into our sports and all uh, like I say also kind of driven by that sustainability thread as well so I think values aligned is critical when building that team as well is it do you find it harder to, to meet and hire good people these days than maybe uh five ten years ago do you do you think this sort of period that we've been through and and we all kind of you know, I've heard about, you know, the great resignation and, and the, the, you know, the challenges of COVID. But do you think it's it's tougher to find those people today than it's ever been? Um, no, no, is the answer. I think for, I think I suspect it's because we're very values driven, mm-hmm. very purpose led. So we get we still get a lot of people reaching out to us to say, hey, can you know, can I get involved? Can I do some volunteering? Um, do you have any projects I can help you working on? Do you have any jobs? So I think, I suspect the reason we're not really experiencing that is because it's not your kind of um, quote unquote average company in terms of what we do. And and the people, the type of people who work with us and or for us, very passionate about these things as well. So I think that's probably the reason. I mean, it's, I can't say, we you know, we weren't out there hiring 10 years ago, but but certainly there's been a maintained interest in, you know, working for Prescott pretty much since day one. And there's something there about, you know, if you have a strong set of values as a company and your your purpose is really clear uh, and that aligns with how other, you know, how people feel, then you're going to get people on board if, if you're authentic with that, aren't you? Yeah, it is. That authenticity is the key, actually, because I think if, if, if you are clear on your mission and if every decision you make and every communication you put out there is aligned with that, then I think people understand that very clearly. And that's what drives people to say, do you know, what? I'd love to work for a company like Preska. So, yeah, it, it is all about the authenticity. Thinking uh, about running, Rob, I, I, I kind of want you to consider a run from from your life that sticks out in your mind as a special time out running somewhere in the world is there anything that as i ask this question that jumps to mind a, a run that you kind of cherish in, in in your mind yeah i um london marathon 2009 um that was the first marathon i'd done i mean the marathon is just 
wild. It's 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 the most incredible atmosphere. I'm quite an emotional guy, and <laughs> I, I remember choking up about kind of 18 miles. You know, just seeing a whole bunch of friends and family plus crowds and crowds of people running over was it london bridge one of the famous bridges i can't remember but um yeah you know it, it's just it's a very very special event and especially i think because it was my first one um and also it was it was a challenge you know the best the best events are the ones that where you've had an issue aren't they because <laughs> because at the time it's awful but you look back and think that was amazing yeah. but i remember clearly i got to kind of 20 miles uh, looking down at my watch thinking i'm on track for my time here this is brilliant and then i realized I, I ran 20 miles on my watch and then another 500 600 meters later i ran past the 20 mile sign by the side of the road and i was going oh no, oh, no I'm, oh. I'm i'm behind by it was actually about half a mile compared to where i thought i was mm. um so for those last six miles i really hammered it and it was it was brutal it was absolutely brutal and it's not like i was you know going for the win or anything like that <laughs> it was only against me but um yeah, I remember just about a mile before turning onto the mall, there was a guy on the left. So I was running with my name on on my T-shirt and there was a guy just in the crowd just pointed at me. He could see I was in a lot of pain. He pointed at me and he went, you got this, Rob. I mean, I didn't know he was from Adam, but honestly, that kind of feeling of, wow, people are out here to support you makes me feel even emotional just to this day. It was such a, it was such a brilliant event. We talk about this on, on the podcast a lot about those the spirit that you get from from running from the the big events or, or even you know doing park run and, and that camaraderie and and the energy that it gives you and yeah. we, we kind of talk about how isn't it great when we can transfer some of that into our work into our jobs how how can we kind of tap into that and as leaders and and you know people running businesses what how can we create and obviously you can't yeah you know, replicate that moment on the on, on the mail and I can see that in my head and I can see how how that would energize you but just tap into some of that to help our people raise their game and and feel connected to what we're doing yeah and we mentioned values driven business and and the the team pulling together it's it it's so important to try and get that spirit that camaraderie where we can isn't it it really is and I think one thing that you know it's a it's a fairly simple thing but it is running with others so you know that in bristol there's so many running clubs and so many you know after work groups every day of the week you can go out and run with others so whether that's you know you and your team going out or if it's you know a networking thing or just just meeting like-minded folks going and running with other people and chatting and you're probably doing you know a couple of minutes slower pace than you would on a on a hard training run but 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 that value in exercising together um you know you get to the end of a decent run and you you all feel great and and it certainly helps conversation flow it help, helps you feel connected um yeah it's it's such a valuable sport it really is do you have any examples where running or a run has, has given you a lesson in something that you've transferred into work or transferred somewhere else in life is there anything that springs to mind i can't think of one specific thing but but regularly i'll be out running and like i said i like to run on my own and i find that after I seem to have kind of a six or seven mile kind of period where my head's buzzing and just, you know, thoughts are firing off. And then I'll enter this state of of um, flow, probably, I guess you'd call it, where everything is much calmer in my head. But it, when I'm in that space, I do find that I get a lot of creative kind of um, impulses. And I do find that, you know, some of the some of the thoughts which tend to be more around, I suppose, the marketing or kind of communication side of the company they come then so you know i might think of oh that would be a brilliant idea for a video you know to, to promote our latest range or or those kind of things and there's something yeah i i've there's so many times that i've come back from a 
from a run or even during a run i've stopped and had to message the team and said guys what, what about this we need to think about this so yeah i can't think of one specific event but it happens a lot and how about any parallels between the way you approach your running and the, the way you approach your work is there anything you've ever seen there um, I think I talked about it earlier, just that structure, really. Historically, I was not a structured person at all, quite, <laughs> quite chaotic. And, and in some ways, I probably still am. But, you know, having that structure of training, for me, I know that I can't just go out and train every single day. I think that's why I liked triathlon so much. I, sw- switching up between different sports gave the different muscle groups time to relax and, and, and recover. You know, if I'm, if I'm training just for running, then I know I need a good structure, which is not just run, 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 run. It's run, stretch, meditate, run, stretch, meditate, perhaps. Or, and, and I think it's exactly the same with work. You know, it, to, to be at my best, well, I know I need to look after myself first and foremost. Fundamentally, if I'm not in a good place, both body and, and head, then... You know, I can't be in the best place for the company. But having that structure around, well, here's what I will do with the first two, three hours of my day. And then I will focus on X, Y, Z. Knowing what's working best for me at various different times of the day is is crucial. So, yeah, it's a simple lesson, but structure to to both running and and business is crucial for me. Who inspires you in in leadership? And I also kind of wanted to mention sustainability and, and the environment. Who is it that is driving your passion for this space the obvious answer is Yvonne Chouinard from uh, who set up Patagonia I don't know if you saw recently but they they essentially donated the company to a trust so so all the profits will go to protecting nature which I think is just a, a wonderful idea and so forward thinking so you know that's that's the simple answer what I do I, I, kind of every Friday I'll chat to amazing people working in sustainability so we'll have you know 15 20 minute chat really really quick fire but i found so many positive conversations out of that and there's a guy called temi latif who runs black riders association and a a charity called my choice and he's a young guy he two three years ago decided to cycle to lagos in nigeria he'd never really ridden a bike before and he just thought you know what i want to do this i want to raise some funds for some for some people doing good good work in nigeria and there are people like that who are just you know the rest of the world don't know about them yet you probably will do in future about temi because he's just such a such a crazy and inspirational guy but there are people every day who are just chugging along doing amazing work who who aren't kind of you know there's no books written about them and and, and most of us will never hear their names but i think that's what inspires me it's it's everyone working in this space who's so passionate and so driven who's making real genuine change i think to put one person up on a pedestal well i've already done it i suppose but it's probably <laughs> probably at the expense of all these other incredible people you have climate positivity in your job title mm. how do you feel about the future how do you feel about where we're going uh, are we are we going to get there are we going to do what we need to do as a race Oh, and that's a, I know that's a big question, but I've got to ask you because I, I, I was curious at, at you know the fact that you, you are climate positivity. I'm thinking you must be somebody who is a glasses glasses half full kind of guy. Uh, we we can do this. Yeah, do you, do you know what? we can? We absolutely can, and we we already have all the tools to do it. I think the frustration for me is just around the the, the lack of urgency. I think it. You know, we've just seen COP27 go, and if anything, they watered down some of the, t- the words. COP27, sorry, if you don't know, is this kind of big conference on climate change. And so all the global leaders meet and talk about how, um, how we're going to tackle this, this urgent problem. And it is, you know, genuinely, it, it is an urgent existential problem. And people don't want to hear that, and, you know, but, but the scale of the challenge is, is so huge. 
I am optimistic. We can do it. We can easily do it if we put the, the resources into it. The challenge is how we get people at the right level to recognize, wow, this, this is something that we need to urgently tackle now. Will we as a race make it? Of course, you know, humans are so incredibly resilient. I think that's not the question for me. It's, it's how many people will be really terribly affected by it. And, and that needle moves depending on how quickly we act, if I'm totally honest. But yeah, we've got, we've got all, the, all the resources. Uh, we just need the willpower and the, the urgency to, to get on it. Rob, a, f- a few shorter questions to finish. Uh, do you uh, run with music? And if so, what? Uh, half, half. Half my time I'll run just natural without even a running watch. I, I, I really getting into just running no tech. I love that. Maybe the rest of the 50% of the time it will be half time. It will be podcasts or an ebook. Like I said, I'm really into kind of physiology. There's, there's a great um, set of podcasts by Dr. Rangan Chatterjee, which is all around kind of health and, and, and living well. And so I love that, that side of things. If it's music, it will probably be something with a quite a big heavy beat i quite enjoy you know like um something like a dubstep maybe one of the old prodigy albums something like that because there's there's something in that with you know a loud yeah a loud heavy beat going to to drive you on well bristol has a a pretty epic music uh scene doesn't it over the years some great uh bands in that space have come out of bristol absolutely absolutely running aside can you name a business tool an app uh something that you couldn't do without in in running the business um probably hubspot hubspot we use an awful lot it's a crm kind of you know customer service package we save all our customer information on there we process all our kind of serve customer service tickets through there and um, sales for our customer side of the business so so we we do our own brand clothing but we also do custom clothing for clubs and corporates charities that kind of thing and that all gets processed through there so it's, it's one of those um yeah, there's probably a small handful of apps that, that are really critical to us, and that's certainly one of them. And business aside, can you name your favourite bit of running kit or accessory? And you obviously can't mention, uh, you, you can't choose Prescott Sportswear on this one, but something that is, uh, is uh, you know, essential to, to you going out and doing your thing. Yeah, I'd probably say hydration pack, hydration vest whether that's, you know, Camelback or Salomon makes some brilliant ones now, or, or, you know, there's, there's so many good ones. Innovate. Like I said, I like to run long. So being able to go out there with, with everything you need on your back for, you know, 30 miles plus is, is crucial. And what's in store for, for Presca in 2023? What, uh, what, what does the year, the next year look like for you? The next, it's super exciting, actually. So we're, we're just looking at a crowdfund campaign, which will probably launch springtime. So really, it's about how can we work with our incredible community? And it's been growing brilliantly. And, and one of our benefits is we have a very, very engaged community, which, again, I think comes down to that authenticity. So how can we bring them into the fold to really help us push the, the business forward? So I think that's that's kind of where the focus is. And, and it's really exciting. Other than that, it's just about, you know, continuing to push in against, like I said earlier, some pretty considerable headwinds, but then emerging kind of springtime in a stronger and, and better place to really be able to capitalise. Final question, Rob, what, what advice would you give to anybody listening to this who's in business, in a leadership role, and they're thinking about getting more active and specific, specifically taking up running? Oh, what advice? Do it, do it, do it, do it. I think you can't you can't be in your best place unless you're looking after your body. And and running is just one of the most wonderful sports. It's free. It's easy. It's right in your doorstep. You can do it in ten minutes, or you can do it in you know hours and hours and hours. And really, I think 
um, to have that as a tool in your armory for looking after yourself is it's mind-blowing I think it's a great point to leave it there Rob thank you so much for your time uh, best of luck with everything at Prescott Sportswear and the work that you're doing uh, it's awesome uh, and uh, here's to a, a positive 12 months coming up thanks and pleasure to talk to you Thanks to Rob Webben, today's guest on Run the Business. And I'll be totally honest, I hadn't really considered sustainability in my running, probably until at some point in the last six months when I started thinking about this podcast and the actual business of running. That's when I started to realise truly how big it is. And that conversation with Rob was a real eye-opener. And I'm grateful to him for how openly and honestly he shared Uh, the challenges he's facing and the journey he's been on. It's worthwhile work. Uh, Rob's breaking new ground. uh, And it's not easy, is it? But it's it's stuff that, that absolutely needs to be done. I really liked hearing how Rob's entry point into running... Uh, for fitness, set him up for other things that he did. He mentioned surfing and triathlons, but the bigger benefits for him came a little bit further down the line. The meditative qualities of running, Rob also highlighted. He described how for him there isn't much difference between a run and a meditation, but think about the added benefits that come with running as well. I like Rob's thoughts on structure in running and business and making sure he looks after himself You've got to look after yourself before you can take proper care of those around you, your people in your business. It's like that message that you get on an aeroplane before it takes off. Put the oxygen mask on yourself first before helping others. These days, sustainability is or should be threaded through our businesses, our running and our personal lives. And as we head into a new year, what's your practical approach to that? It's worth Giving it, giving it some thought. Company visions can be useful, uh, as can personal missions, but it's what you do day to day, isn't it, that counts? And and think about that uh, as you as you finish this podcast. Annie Leonard, a big US proponent of sustainability, said, "There's no such thing as away. When we throw anything away, it must go somewhere. When you put the whole picture together, recycling is absolutely the right thing to do." Uh, And let's finish on uh, a quote, I think, from Albert Einstein. Uh, We cannot solve our problems with the same thinking we used when we created them. Check out Preska Sportswear at prescasportswear.com. If you like what you've heard, please follow, rate, share and review. Uh, It really, really helps. So I appreciate that. I'm Anthony Gay. And until next time, keep running and keep chasing your goals. (laughs) 